Grace and peace is ours through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So Pastor Dan created this series on the Apostles' Creed. And then he made the toughest question to answer today and then left on vacation and left me to answer. He'll be back tomorrow, though. He smiled when we talked about this before he left. He said, after all, you're the senior pastor. You get to take the tough one. What about those who've never heard? I can remember several times people saying this to me when I was trying to talk to them about Jesus, using it sort of as a a question to challenge the very basis of the gospel, meaning the spread of a word, a message, without which you cannot be saved. It seems like all of them melt together, though, into one evening when Mary and I took a couple out to dinner, and I wanted to share Christ with them. We were in a steakhouse downtown Austin, and I was talking about, they knew I was a pastor and why I did what I did. They used to go to church, and she cut me off mid-sentence, the wife, and said, I really don't buy everything that you're saying because what about those who've never heard the gospel? And during that conversation and after that conversation, I left it feeling like she is not believing because she thinks if that's what God is about and that's what he's like, then he's cruel and he's unkind and he's got to be bigger than the proclamation that you're saved through our Lord Jesus Christ because there's so many people that haven't heard the gospel. If, have you ever been challenged by this thought? You have, some of you, okay. Uh, I think in college classrooms or in college coffee shops, you will, Taylor, right? It's a, it's a logical stumper. It is answered in the scriptures and it is answered through faith in what God says. Remember that, it's answered. How many of you are on our email list and you found out I wanted you to read Acts chapter 10? Come on, just humor me. Okay, you leave your hands up if you actually read it. Oh, okay. The rest of you are all lost. No. <laughs> well, like we read, shh, don't tell them. I, I, can't, I can't read the whole story to you and then talk about all the verses, but so I'll, I'll tell the story to you. But looking into the life of Cornelius in chapter 10, And thinking about all the passages Chad read, because I chose those for our readings today, that's why there's so many of them, to answer this question. You can see what God is saying, and it's these three points that you see printed out, and so take them home with you and hang on to them and think about them two or three more times, because you're going to be faced with this question, and I want you to be ready to answer for your own soul, because it actually threatens your faith when you hear it. What about those who've never heard? But more importantly... I want you to use them to reach the person that's asking them. Think Jesus ascending into heaven. Right before he ascends, he says to these Jewish men, and there are some women, and there's a larger crowd, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You know it. It's a great commission, right? Listen to that through Jewish ears. Go and make disciples of all nations nations all of your life all of your dad's life your grandpa's life and everybody that you can think of before you you've heard that god 
favored the Jews by giving them Moses and the Ten Commandments and the first five books of the Bible and all the prophets and everything, and that someday he would send a Messiah for the Jews and salvation would come from the Jews. And you've been thinking Jewish, 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 and so have your ancestors. And you hear, go and make disciples of all nations. Frankly, looking at the New Testament, that did not sink in so easily. We're a bunch of Gentiles, and we hear it and go, yeah, we've got to go out and share Jesus. But the Jews that heard it first heard, what? How do we do that? So there's Peter. He's at Joppa, a, a port city on the Mediterranean Sea, 30-something miles from Jerusalem to the west. Why is he there? Well, Jewish Saul, later to become Christian Paul, is breathing out threats and scattered the church. And, and Peter's staying with, you know, every town has a baker and a blacksmith and a tanner, right? You probably didn't know that. The guy who took dead things, skinned them, and made purses and boots and everything else out of the skins, he's a tanner. His name is Simon the Tanner, and Simon Peter's staying in his house. There's a Roman centurion. There's a lot of them. One of them's the guy that was at the cross, remember? And he said, truly, you are the Son of God. Well, there's a Roman centurion. We get his name, Cornelius. Okay. I grew up with Planet of the Apes. Cornelius is the wise, inquisitive ape. Remember him? But no, Cornelius is a centurion. What is a centurion? Well, he's, he's a staff sergeant. He's got a lot of men under him, but he's a middle middle range, right? He's not the governor or anything like that, but he, he's got a lot of responsibility. And Cornelius... You only see him in the Bible in this chapter. If you'd have just read the one chapter, you'd have got it all. Cornelius rules at least 100 guys for the Romans. He's not at home. He's deployed in Judea along the coast in the capital city, Caesarea, which is about 40 miles north of Joppa along the coast. And Cornelius has properly this is very important that's why i'm slowing down cornelius has properly responded to natural knowledge what is natural knowledge all that stuff i had chad read from the bible to us cornelius had eternity put in his heart cornelius looked at the skies and he said there's a beautiful wonderful smart creator cornelius looked at nature and said his invisible attributes are there cornelius looked at the law in his heart and he said i know there's right and wrong and i can't I keep it all perfectly, but I know I'm supposed to love the poor and take care of people less fortunate than me. And so Cornelius was involved in the Roman Habitat for Humanity and the Christian Aid and Relief, and the, not Christian, but the Aid and Relief. And he was involved in, in, in food pantries, and he gave to the, everybody knew about it. And Cornelius had faith that God was listening, whoever he was, and the great God. And he knew the Jews talked about one God, and he had given up on, Cornelius had given up on all the pantheon of the Romans, all the many gods that were more like humans than God. And he's just praying to God and he was so devout that he had to set aside time each day and he had as a man of big responsibility so he had a reputation for the guy oh where's Cornelius well we all got to take a break he's going to go talk to God for a while and at three o'clock in the afternoon one afternoon responding to natural knowledge he's doing his thing praying to God trying to get it right who are you what are you all about please help me get closer to you help my family take care of the people that we're helping stop this crazy Roman lack of peace and God sends an angel to him. 
There's no record that he's ever seen one before. Cornelius, God has seen your great benevolence, and he has seen, he has heard all of your prayers, and there's a guy hanging out in Joppa, south of here, named Simon Peter. Send some people to go get him because he has something great to tell you. Now, time out. If he's an angel, why doesn't he just tell him? Because God won't let angels tell what he wants you and me to tell. This is one of the fascinating, unique, upside-down miracles of the Bible is that God condescends to give his gospel to people to share and not the angels. So the angel says, go get Peter. Tell, him to go get, tell your friends to go get Peter. Cornelius gets, comes out of the prayer time and he goes, hey, you too. Get some servants, gets a, gets a Roman officer under him. He says, go down to Joppa and go to the, find the tanner's house. His name is Simon. It's by the sea. And there's a guy staying with him named Simon Peter. Ask for him and bring him up here because I just saw an angel in a vision that said that he's got a message for us. Now, these people have hung out with Cornelius a long time. There's a lot of trust in when a Roman centurion tells a Roman soldier to go do it, you got to do it anyway. And so they go. And I don't know how long it took them to walk 40 miles. Some of you have run a marathon, but... If they left in the afternoon, they get there by noon the next day. So they had to travel some at night. The next day, it's noon, and Joppa and Peter's getting hungry. I mean, it's lunchtime. And he asks if he, there's something to eat, and the hostess, whoever it was, host, they're going to get food ready. Go relax for a while. We'll have it ready. We'll let you know. So he goes on top of the house because they're flat-roofed houses. That's kind of their patio. And he's up there at 12, and the sun is bright, and he's wide awake, and suddenly... A brighter light still comes and a blanket comes down out of the sky. And the blanket gets low enough and Peter looks in and there's all the critters that no Jew is ever supposed to eat. Vultures, rabbits, uh, they're, um, the, um, any animal that has a hoof but it's not two-toed, it's only one-toed like a horse or a donkey. Pigs, they're not supposed to eat pork. All this stuff is there and God's, the voice says, Peter, Simon, eat oh no lord i've never as a jew i've never eaten anything unclean now for a jew the ceremonial law is moral it's all the moral law but god had to separate it out for the jews to show them no it's part of that old ceremonial law that's passed so the voice says do not call unclean what i have called clean and eat goes up now i'm just going to say humorously if peter was a woman That would have been all it took one time. But he's a guy. So he gets three times it happens because it takes three times. I don't know. God did it three times. Here it comes back down. All the same critters. Eat. Oh, no, 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 Lord. Yes, don't call unclean what I call clean. Back down. Three times he got it. He got the message. As soon as it goes up the third time, they didn't say dinner's ready, lunch is ready. There's a rattle at the gate at the courtyard wall. Is this where Simon the Tanner lives? Yes. Is there a guy named Simon Peter here? Yes, Peter hears that. He runs down. What do you want? We're from Caesarea, and our master is a centurion, and he sent us to come and get you because he said you have a message about God for us. Uh, Centurion, Gentile, we don't go in their houses. They make you unclean, but I just saw this three times. Peter said, I got to tell you guys what just happened to me. And then he tells him, he goes, I'll go with you. But first, let's, you come in and eat, spend the night, and then we'll leave tomorrow. So that's what they did. 
And the next day, they get down to Cornelius' house. And these three, these three guys bring Peter up to the way to the door. And Cornelius comes out and he sees Peter and he thinks, this is amazing. This is a God thing. He is overwhelmed. This guy must be like a God. And so he bows down in front of Peter. And Peter goes, I'm just a man. Get up. I'm just a servant like you. Get up, get up, get up. And he goes, what's going on here? And Cornelius says, let me tell you what happened. And that's where we're going to read a little bit. So grab your Bible, which is in your folder. Look at page 9. Peter says, what's going on here? Cornelius answered, three days ago I was in my house praying at this hour at three in the afternoon. Suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He's a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and it is good for you to come. Look at this. Everybody read this with me. It's, it's so beautiful. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. That's what I think when you sit there and, Kate, we're at church, Pastor. You get to stand up. We want to listen to what you have to tell us. But I never, ever expect that to happen going out there into the world where I'm going to spread the gospel. I get preacher envy when I see this. I would love it if I'd come to a house and go, well, we just gathered a whole bunch of people. We're waiting to hang on your every word. Not because I want it for me, but I want it for them, right? There's always so many walls. There's always so much we got to do in pre-evangelism, right? Well, there's a big crowd. Stop, time out. Point number one. These are people who have not clearly heard the gospel, and they're about to. So the question that the skeptic asks, what about those who have not heard? Well, what's been happening in their lives? All the natural knowledge and some rather mysterious things happening To do what? Prepare them to listen. And now their hearts are wide open. That, when you see a story like this, that's an answer to a question like that. God is working in everybody's life. Just because you can't see Him working doesn't mean He's not working. God is working in everyone's life. Just because they didn't grow up around a church doesn't mean He's not working in their life. God is working in everybody's life, even if they're in a pagan religion, because there's something not satisfying about mystically thinking you've got to pray yourself up into the presence of God, or, or you've got to set aside time to fast and work your way to heaven, or you can commit suicide while you blow up 30 people and maybe you can get to, to heaven. There's something not right, and everybody knows it. And he's working to make people ready to listen to the message of the only true God. And that's your answer to someone who says about, what about those who never heard? God's working in everybody's life to get them ready to listen. To what? To the church, if the church has the right message. Peter had the right message. He had just been stuck in not getting it out. I watched Mary's parents who grew up around churches and they had a son-in-law who's a preacher and they'd come and visit and they would go home on Sunday mornings. <laughs> and we talked a lot about faith and religion off and on over the years and just never could get past things like this question. But in the last days of their lives, Cornelius, heart wide open. And we talked freely about Jesus and salvation and their forgiveness and their Savior. Both of them individually died a few years apart. Believers in Jesus Christ. God was working all along. 
Don't let the skeptic make you doubtful. <laughs> All right? And don't lose your message. What if Peter would have come and he just talked about church and churches? Yuck, right? No, this is what he said. Verse 34. Ready? Peter began to speak. Oh, by the way, these next three words are very Jewish. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. See, they always thought he did. But he accepts every nation. That was, the word nation is the same word as Gentile. Every nation of Gentiles, the one who fears him and, do, uh, uh, the, and does what is right. People who are honest seekers. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel. You've heard about it, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. Did you notice how he said, you know about, but then he went ahead and what? <laughs> Told him his summary statement. Why? He's joining with them. You know, you've heard a little bit here and there, whatever, but let me frame it for you. Let me put it together. This is what you've been hearing about, and this is what it really is. See, that's, that's kind of the, pre the preacher's prerogative. All right? Verse 39. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross. But God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. Does that not sound like Easter sunrise service in the park? Right? He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by the one who ate and drank with him, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And get, I underline this. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. The Bible, all the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Faith comes from hearing that message. That was Romans ten seventeen. Paul wrote that to the Romans. This is a Roman household centurion, right? Cornelius. Faith comes from hearing the message. The only way that a person ever who's never heard gets saved for eternity is by hearing about Jesus who saved them. What's interesting, if you look at the sermon of Peter at Pentecost, Paul's sermon in Acts 17 in Athens, Greece, and this sermon, the punchline always includes, and that Jesus who died for you and rose again, he's the guy you'll pass before who will judge all people. Jesus Christ. I'm going to stop right there and say Peter would not have been at Cornelius' house had God not miraculously crowbarred him out of the, the muck of his Jewishness and got him out of his comfort zone. And he kind of shows that he's still uncomfortable because he goes, now I know God doesn't show favorites, but it's just kind of barely dawned on me. What's the biggest problem on planet Earth about people not knowing? It's that the church who knows won't get out of her comfort zone. It's very uncomfortable to sit down at a steakhouse in a kind of a thank you dinner and challenge somebody with the gospel. And it's so uncomfortable at times I just don't do it. 
It's very uncomfortable to take off your reputation at work of being the, the, the person, the woman or man that you are, and humble yourself to just be a Joe Blow in the community and maybe do a little mission work with Pastor Dan. It's uncomfortable to do ministry at times, right? To spread it where people aren't all, we're all sitting here ready to listen. We've got to get out of our comfort zone, all of us. We've got to get out of the comfort of our own po- pocketbook, the comfort of our own ways, and we've got to reach out, whichever ways we can find. It's easier today than ever. You can just click it, and it can move to people one by one or one by a million. And fear often holds us back. So, the second answer to the question, what about those that haven't heard? That's the church's job to tell them. That's why I'm so excited to tell you about it. And then the third answer is the punchline of the sermon. I'll leave that up to Jesus. <laughs> what about those who've never heard? You see, there is, there is a, 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 usually in the voice of a skeptic or a critic, there is a half-truth that we need to reckon with. We spend too much time since we are the people of God, and I I believe with all my heart that we are the people of God by grace. We've been chosen to understand the gospel, believe it, and we're going to heaven. And we are enlightened with that gospel that other people don't have, and they're not enlightened. But we are tempted to believe that therefore we also are the judge. And we're not. Jesus is the judge. There's only one sitting on that throne. He gave up his whole life for all people. He loves every single soul. He also created every soul and knows exactly the span of their life. He also is working in everybody's life to bring them to that Cornelius moment. And he knows what decisions they've made, what secrets they have. That was in the Romans 2 reading. The secrets they have in their heart. And he is the one who will judge their secrets, not us. So when someone says, what about those who haven't heard? You can smile after you've said, God is working in their life, and he sent the church to tell them about Jesus, so join the band. You could say, and I will leave that up to Jesus. I don't know of any other way that anybody else is saved, but I do know that when he sits on that throne, he is God, who is man, who died for the person that passes in front of him, And he knows them and their life and eternity and heaven and God the Father infinitesimally more than I do. I don't know what's beyond the edge of the universe and neither do you. I don't know what's inside of an atom. Even Dr. Rabenberg told me he couldn't really tell me what's inside of that atom completely. Nobody knows, but God does. So when God decides the fate of an unborn child that was taken by her mother in abortion or miscarriage, who never got to hear what you got to hear, let him decide. Let him be merciful if that's what he wants. Let him be just if that's what he wants. It's not ours to decide. It doesn't matter what I say standing up here with you dutifully listening. Because I don't know. Only God knows. You see the freedom there is in being a Christian and not the Christ? There's a big difference in being a Christian and not the Christ. But after you have defended the faith, like I'm mentioning, three different answers like this, 
There's still one more thing I pray in my heart as your pastor, one of your pastors, that you would learn to do. That you would learn to do what Jesus does and you would turn the question back to the person in a way that would help that person see Jesus. It's an amazing journey. But if you'd start reading the Gospels, there's four of them, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and watch, just to watch how Jesus handles people, you will see that he takes all the crummy questions that they shouldn't be asking that are meant to trap him and all those things, and he always turns them around and makes them look at him as the Savior of their soul in one way or another. I'll give you the one example I wanted to share today, and that's Jesus and Pontius Pilate. We are at the end. Pilate is the guy that's going to let them take him and crucify him. And Pilate tells Jesus, don't you know I have the power to crucify you? You'd have no power if except it came, from you, except if it came from, to you from above, Jesus said. Pilate, are you a king? They're calling you the king of the Jews, and they say you're, you're leading a, a rebellion, and we Romans have to squash those. Are you a king? Jesus knows that Pilate's not prepared to have a big discussion about the kingship of Jesus. <laughs> my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight. But my kingdom's from another place. But I've come, here's Jesus turning the conversation. I've come to bear witness to the truth. And those who are on the side of truth, listen to me. That was an invitation. What he wants Pilate to say is, what is that truth that you're talking about, right? Instead, what does Pilate say? What is truth? Slam the door shut on his heart. He died eight years later. He had the Christ right in front of him. I wonder if he ever came to faith. I don't know, but I know this. He saw Jesus. He had a chance, didn't he? Um, I've turned the conversation on people many times. And I'll tell you, very rarely do they turn their lives over to Christ right in front of my eyes. But I leave the conversation with this piece. I held Jesus right in front of their eyes. I kept it from being an argument about logic and religion and doctrine. And I just left them with Jesus. Here's the question you ask. When they say, what about those who haven't heard and you finish defending it? You say, but the real question to ask is what about those who have heard? Because, and then you, wherever you're looking at the time, you stop looking off and you look them right in the eye and you say, because you are one of those who have heard. What about those who have heard? And don't believe. You hear the beck and call of a Savior who gave it all? The last statement in Peter's sermon was, he's going to judge the world, but if by believing in his name you get forgiveness of sins. Do you want to pass up such a great gift as God sacrificing his own son to take all of your guilt away, those secret sins in your life are all washed away? No, you don't want to do that. God is very merciful and patient with people. He will not sacrifice their soul on one conversation, so don't worry about getting it all right. 
But do make sure you put Jesus in front of their eyes and make them ask the question, what about me? Because I've heard. Because faith comes from what? Hearing the message about Christ. So let's share the faith. And let's be faithful and not be doubtful when they doubt. Amen.